Sometimes betting on ourselves feels like one of the riskiest gambles you can take, but it almost always pays off. Surround yourself with the people who support your path, tone out the ones who don't, and take those chances to bet on yourself. You'll never imagine the magic that can happen. Those were the inspirational words of Grayson Murphy after claiming the World Mountain Running Championship. Grayson has navigated a circuitous path to trail greatness, soccer player, NCAA track and cross-country All-American, and now World Mountain and Xterra World Trail champ. Grayson joined us for an interview last week sharing her journey and advice for aspiring runners attacking any terrain. Here's Grayson Murphy in mile 46 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Grayson, welcome in. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It is our pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. You had a very unconventional start to what <laughs> has been a pretty successful career. Um, could you just talk a little bit about how you got started in the sport and what that looked like for you? Um, yeah, so I guess my running career was born out of the kind of death of another sports career. Um, I was a soccer player all growing up, and then my first year in college, I played soccer as well, and I kind of realized that it wasn't really what I enjoyed doing anymore, and I wasn't passionate about it anymore, so I transferred schools for academic reasons, mostly, and asked to walk on to the track and cross-country team at Santa Clara, where I transferred to, and it kind of all... The rest is history, as it goes. <laughs> and then it all started there and blossomed into what it is today. But uh, starting out, it was not the intention to be a pro. I just wanted to try something new and kind of explore a new sport. So. I read a story with a quote from you that in one of uh, maybe a first race or a time trial or something, <laughs> you, you came through... Uh, the first mile and realized like it was the fastest mile you had ever run and you just yelled out about it yeah that was actually it was my first cross-country race ever and it was the first time I ever broke six minutes in a mile in the first mile of the race (laughs) and I remember I was like oh my god I told my teammates like in the race that was the fastest mile I've ever run in my life (laughs) and we still had like two to go but it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, heck, I remember the first time I broke six minutes. That's exciting. And how did that race finish after that first mile um, PR? I finished first for our team. I don't know what I was overall. I think I was top. I don't remember it being that bad. I was, like, in the top 15, I think. It was a smaller race. Santa Clara's a mid-major school, so it wasn't a super competitive race. But, yeah, it was really fun. My coach just said to follow my teammates, and we got about I don't know 800 meters to go to the end and I was like can I go ahead I feel really good and they're like yeah go so it was fun good day wow that's yeah that's a great story (laughs) let's jump ahead to recent stuff here you are the newly crowned world mountain running champion uh for the uninitiated who maybe doesn't follow that part of our sport 
What does that mean? The uh, tell us about um, the distance of the race, the climb, the terrain, where you were, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So this year uh, it's held annually World Mountain Championships, and this year it's held in Patagonia in Argentina. And I did. I raced the classic distance. So I was just reading this. It's a. This is the thirty-sixth edition of that distance. It started in nineteen. 19- 85, so I guess it's the 35th. Um, this year, it's usually a range between, I think, 10 to 15 kilometers, and it all kind of depends on the terrain that you're going to race on, and they try and get you to be racing about at an hour to an hour and 15 minutes as mm-hmm. total time, so that's why the range is so big, and mountain races have a lot more vertical gain than trail races, so in this particular race it was 2500 feet of gain over 14 kilometers so that's 8.63 miles i think um it's a really fun race and really intense it gets slow moving i think my average pace was like 8:30. it's really slow so uh just a grind the whole way and then the train's pretty technical so a lot of like routes and there are two river crossings which is super fun i thought this year Lots of rocks and mud, so that was really fun. Yeah, that had to be a beautiful setting for the race in Patagonia. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) It was really hard while you're racing not to get distracted and just want to stop and take in all the views. And yeah, a really cool experience, but hard not to stop. (laughs) I think we've all signed up for a, a race where we just wanted to go somewhere and see the the city or the rural area where you were racing and so we've had that experience of just being in your surroundings but hearing your your joy in describing that and seeing the smile on your face there (laughs) that clearly must be part of what draws you to this type of running i definitely think it is um i every time i run on a trail since I was little even, or when we went hiking and stuff, like, being in nature always felt like it was playing, like an adventure, or just big playtime, so being able to race in nature like that takes that element with it, and makes it feel like it's just, it's serious, and it's the world championships, but at the same time, I'm in this gorgeous place, and it feels like I'm having fun, and I always... <laughs> I call it airplaning on trails and you like stick your arms out to the side. <laughs> yeah. I definitely did that like in the race <laughs> at one point. So I was just having fun with it. So yeah, I think it's a part of it is just because it's fun and I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's really cool. So you're a multi-time NCAA All-American. For all intents and purposes, a lot of people move to the trails when they get slow. You're not yeah. slow. You're still running fast. Where did the yeah. decision come in to go to the trails? Um, I think I realized I'm not a huge fan of track. So I like road and trail stuff. And I liked training on trails. So I was like, why am I not doing races on trails too? Because that must be a blast. And yeah, I guess I, I kind of just wanted to try it. So that's mostly why I wanted to do it in the first place, just to see what it was all about. And and also because I'm trying to break down that stigma that trails are where you go once you get slow. I would like to, and I intend to be very much on the roads and the trails 
equally in the future. And so I was like, I'll just see what happens. So it's been working out. The training doesn't change very much, which is nice. So it's pretty easy to do both. Well, the men's champ there, uh, Jim Walmsley, is also someone trying to, I guess, break through the stigma, as you said. Yeah. Uh, he's making his attempt at the Olympic marathon trials. We've seen mm-hmm. him be versatile with a 50-mile world record and a 64-minute half marathon. Yeah. What's your relationship like with Jim? Has he given you any advice, shared any insights as someone who's um, also trying to tap that speed? He did share a little bit with me in Patagonia. We chatted a bit. And he, and he was also in Flagstaff while I was there, so he knew of me and kind of like who I was. But that was the first time we talked in person was in Patagonia. And I don't know if he knew. We didn't really get into like, oh, I want to break the stigma too. <laughs> but he was giving me good race options. And I told him I was kind of interested in the Chevron Marathon because it's so flat and fast in early January, and that's where he got his qualifier last year, I think, for the trials, so we kind of bonded over that, but I was trying to pick his brain about trail stuff, too, because I feel like I'm still so new to that. Every person I get the chance to ask, I'll ask about good trail races to do, because I'm way less familiar with those than good road races. So is the Houston Marathon on the calendar for you? No, and it would only be half, I guess. Yeah, I'm on break right now, so that was kind of a back a couple of months ago, more of a thought. And then once I did Worlds and then Xterra, I was like, oh, I'm done. I've been taking a break since January of this year, so I definitely needed to shut it down for a little bit. Sure. You mentioned your time in Flagstaff there, and you were with mm-hmm. the, the Hoka team. So how did you end up with the Idaho Distance Project? And Emma Bates, the U.S. Marathon champion. Could you describe how you guys got linked up? Oh, yeah. Kind of a funny story. So I was in Flagstaff and feeling very lost. And I was kind of in the midst of me trying to make it or figuring out what to do and why I was feeling so down so earlier this spring. And I read Emma's story about her first two years in Boston. And she was training just out of college and there's a story in Runner's World, I think, about kind of the same thing, where she just hadn't really found her happy place and just kind of realized, like, what she was doing. It wasn't wrong or bad. It just wasn't right for her. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to her at Cherry Blossom because we were both racing that race, and we chatted for a couple hours the day before the race at the hotel, and she gave me some great advice and that kind of started my decision-making process of leaving. And then she got me in touch with Cameron, and I really liked his coaching philosophy. And I just felt like they both cared about me as a person as much as they did around her in my career. And I told Cameron I wanted to be on trail stuff too. I'd give it a go, and he was all for it. So that's kind of where that began. And Boise is only four hours from Salt Lake, so that's also convenient. I can get up there pretty quickly if I need some training partners or feel like I need a little vacation. And that sounds like a great situation for you then. Yeah. Uh, what does a typical training week there look like for you? Um, so I usually typically, I guess it's your standard 
training week. So we do two workouts a week. So one will be a little more threshold based, and then one will be more race pace or like faster on the track. And I, everything I've done for workouts has been on the road and the track still. Um, and that seemingly has translated really well to the mountain stuff. And then I'll do a couple of easy runs on the trails just to get some practice on the terrain and get familiar with different stuff. But that was only easy runs. So it's been interesting to see how it translates for the racing. And then one long run a week. You mentioned Emma's time in Boston and, and how it wasn't, uh, you just said, uh, to quote you, her happy place. Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe your time in, in Flagstaff would be described the same way, even though you had success there. I believe mm-hmm. you had a 10K PR, is that correct, when you were yeah, in Yeah, it was 50 seconds, so I was, wow. I guess, proud of that. But. Yeah, so a huge improvement, but you just weren't quite happy where you were. And Yeah, it was like the other rest of my life wasn't. Yeah, so you've been pretty open about struggling with some anxiety. Was that playing a role in Flagstaff? And and how has running now in your current situation helped you deal with that? Um, yes, I think it was playing a role. I was anxious about feeling unfulfilled, I think. Mm. And it's hard when you're in a place and you only have one thing and one reason to be there and then you get injured like I did a couple times there and then suddenly you have nothing like I didn't have family there or a boyfriend or like I didn't have anything besides running so that didn't help with the anxiety piece because I feel like I'm a pretty well-rounded person and I didn't feel like that there and I guess running wise for my anxiety, I don't really know if my anxiety, like, I don't run because of my anxiety. Because I've definitely had the anxiety longer than I've been running. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know if it really, like, helps or hurts it as much as I just am aware that it's it's there. We coexist. <laughs> well, do you have any advice that you would share with other runners who face a a similar challenge like you? Because we all know plenty of people going through that type of situation. Uh, I guess just trust yourself. And if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And you don't need to, like, question yourself a whole bunch about it. It just, and if it's not right for you, that's okay. Even if it does work for a lot of other people, like NAZ Elite, there's nothing wrong with the team or the training culture in general it was just for me it wasn't a good fit but there are a lot of people on that team who are very successful under that so just something that's right for you doesn't have to be right for others and you don't have to feel bad about it well on that note you uh had a recent post on Instagram that I want to read for everyone because (laughs) I I think this is fantastic a really powerful and tremendous advice from your experience. So you are on Instagram at Grayson underscore Grayson. And after your victory, you wrote this. It's hard to make the jump to follow your heart. It can be scary to go against the grain and defy the conventional path and deviate from what others expect of you. 
I struggled massively the last few months feeling like I wasn't good enough after choosing to forge my own way. I had a lot of days where I thought I would never be a successful runner or fast because I wasn't doing things the way others were. But I did know one thing. I knew that I was happy and what I was doing felt right even if it was unexpected to others. I knew that if I kept on following the path that made me happy, my heart would lead me to the success I sought. Sometimes betting on ourselves feels like one of the riskiest gambles you can take, but it almost always pays off. Surround yourself with the people that support your path, tone out the ones who don't, and take those chances to bet on yourself. You'll never imagine the magic that can happen. I thought that was beautiful. And I uh, appreciate you sharing those, those thoughts with everyone. Could you just maybe talk briefly about the, the mental balance of finding a space where happiness and just being in a contented place and a peaceful place in your life every day translates to making you a more successful runner? Yeah, I think it's a really powerful place to be. And I'm learning that that's really what where success is born is in your contentedness and happiness, not in logging a bunch of miles and training a whole bunch. Because if your heart's not in it, you're not going to be able to push yourself when you need to. Um, and I think like the 10K, the PR, I PR'd and it was great. But that was a really disappointing race for me because I felt like I didn't push at all. It was just like what was comfortable because my heart wasn't in it. I wasn't, I didn't choose that race. I was told to do that race. So I think that's been like a powerful contrast to have. And now where I'm like, oh, I picked to do world mountain champs or I picked to do this trail race because I actually want to be there and the results like show for that so it's yeah it's really cool to see if you're fulfilled in your whole life what will come the success just kind of like follows you that's awesome what's next (laughs) what's next um let's see I'm trying to make my 2020 schedule it's been kind of a whirlwind I needed I thought I had some ideas and then after the last two weeks I need to readjust my goals I think and set my sights a little higher but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm thinking a longer trail race will be cool so like 20 plus miles in the 50k range maybe and I want to do some more stuff on the road I want a a half marathon road PR that isn't downhill because I've only done two (laughs) downhill halves so they're kind of fake so I want like a real (laughs) one um and then, yeah, some longer races. I like the long stuff, so I'm kind of interested to dip my toe in that and see what that's like. It seems as if you are a jack-of-all-trades to some degree with all the <laughs> yeah. different stuff you've you've done. Is that something you hope to continue moving forward and just dabble in a bunch of different distances and see how great you can be at each? Yeah, I, I like mixing it up, and I like change, and I kind of you can kind of see that in my story, but... I'm not afraid to like try new things and I think I don't get bored that way either so then that's a good way to keep me like on my toes and excited for the next race instead of doing like seven 10 k's in a row I get to mix it up a whole bunch. You mentioned earlier that you don't really care for the track so much as compared to being on the trail or being on the road. You had tremendous success 
in track in college. Yeah. So uh, what, what was that like for you, that juxtaposition of this is not my favorite, but I'm pretty darn good at it? Yeah, it was always a little annoying. People would hate me for saying that. Because I, <laughs> I did, I like to compete, I guess. So if you give me a challenge, I'm going to be there and show up for it. But if it was up to me, I think I would choose like cross country over track any day in college at least. So it is kind of weird. And I think that's, I felt like with steeple, I got a little pigeonholed because I was successful with it. But then that became like, oh, well, you're good if you can't stop. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do other stuff too. I wanted to get into the 10K, but like, but you're already so good at the steeple, we can't stop that. So it goes both ways, I guess, and being successful. But I think it's worth it to mix it up. So Yeah, yeah. that's a, a difficulty of the collegiate system, right, when it's based on points at meets and, and championships yeah. that you can win and help your team along the way. But you just said you you like a challenge. So yeah. <laughs> is part of this whole experimenting with so many different races just challenging yourself to see what happens? Yeah, I think so. And just what will I fail at? What will I be good at? And what will I like that maybe I didn't know I would like? Um, and I think the trail stuff, that was a huge, like, I'm just going to see how this goes. I think the first race, I was like, I might get last. Maybe I'm just, like, not cut out for this, but we're going to see. So it's always kind of fun to explore new challenges. And then I, I think it makes the idea of failing, I say that in air quotes, because I don't think people really fail when they try something new, because it's just a learning experience. That's but right. it makes it less scary because it's new. So, yeah, of course, if you get last as your first race in a trail race, no one's going to be like, oh, that's weird. Like, it's your first one. So no, everyone <laughs> gives you a break about it. So it's kind of fun. Biggest learning experience you've had when you accepted a new challenge? Hmm. Maybe the trail stuff, the very first trail race I did in July of this year, um, it was June 29th, so almost July. And I had never raced a trail. I had never done that much vert in one run before. <laughs> like, there are so many variables that were firsts for me going into that race. So I learned so much. I learned that walking in trail races is a thing. <laughs> that was, like, a huge learning curve for me. I totally thought I'd be running the whole thing, and I was walking. We walked, hiked most of the ascent. And that was crazy. Um, there was a ton of snow in that race, too, so that was crazy. I'd never raced in, like, knee-deep snow before. So all of that was really fun and just a huge new challenge with lots of new variables. You've lived in some really great running areas, right, in Salt Lake yeah. and Flagstaff before that. What, from all these different experiences you've had in the places you've trained, what would be the one run that you would tell us as outsiders from the other side of the country? If we were coming to see you, where do we have to go train with Grayson? Um, I'm in Salt Lake right now, so I would say come to Salt Lake. I'm a little biased, but I think the trails here are unbeatable. I The Flagstaff trails were nice, but you're already kind of at the peak altitude. There's really only one mountain that you can get higher on there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the chance to run on many trails there so maybe they're better um but I love the Utah mountains and 
anywhere like along the Wasatch is amazing and so pretty and so accessible, which makes it a good training location. Yeah, so for folks who haven't been there, like mm-hmm. where you are right now, what kind of altitude are you at and how high can you get fairly quickly from where you live? Oh yeah, so I'm at about 5,000 feet. Um, and if I run just up the road, that's about a mile to the first trailhead from my house. And you take that up, you can get to 7,500. If you get, there's a cool mountain called Black Mountain that I can see from my house and get to pretty quickly. And then if you drive up to Park City, that takes about 15 minutes from my house. You, that's 7,000 feet. And then those mountains get up to you get up to 10,000 feet relatively quickly on a lot of those trails. So you can get up pretty high if you really so desire. Very cool. Yeah. So we just had, last episode, we had uh, Joe Klecker on from oh, Colorado. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he is originally from Minnesota. And so we were okay. talking Minnesota sports with him a little bit. Okay. All right. As a Utah grad, <laughs> are you following, are you excited at all about the Utah football team, which has been fantastic yes, this year? Of course <laughs> I am. Uh, my cousin, Two of my cousins are on the coaching staff for the oh, youth. So I've been cool. following pretty close and we get all of the family updates. So it's exciting. I, yeah, hopefully they go pretty far this year. What specifically are they coaching? One of them does, I think he's with offense and one's with, one's with, I think kind of more of a GA position okay. and then one works with offense in the booth. Okay. And like the, yeah, from above they make that stuff, yeah. I watched a little bit of their game against Colorado last week. Oh, yeah. And you know, they just panned from the stadium and looked out over the mountains and it just looks so beautiful. I imagine oh, yeah. just a fantastic a, way to train your whole time yeah. you're there. The track has a I think I'm biased, but the track has an even better view too of the mountains because it's unobscured by a stadium. So it's it's a little higher than the stadium. So that's pretty cool. At least if you're dying on the track, you have a good view. (laughs) (laughs) As you hit the wall, you can look out over the the beautiful Wasatch Mountains. Yeah. So last thing uh, on the trail stuff, you went into it as a new challenge, trying something, see what happens. And most of us spend a lot of our time on the track or on the road and, and maybe don't have as much experience on the trail in this short turnaround you've had here of what six months since you really had your your first race what are the biggest takeaways and the things that you might tell the novice of here's a little tidbit i've picked up and one more reason why you might love trails okay i'd say first and foremost you want to throw pace out the window because it is completely irrelevant on the trails so it's all got to be effort and if you really want a number, you can do heart rate based, but it really should just be like effort. Um, so coming from a track and road background, that was something that's hard for me was letting go of numbers, I guess. Because um, eight thirty might seem slow on the road, but then that's my race pace, and I am dying in some of those races during eight thirty. So it's really been eye opening, and you can go accidentally, I guess, really hard on trails because. You can get your heart rate up so quickly going uphill. Mm. You need to be really conscious of that. If it's supposed to be an easy run, you might need to hike a little bit just to keep your heart rate down. And it's just impossible, inevitable. You have to do it. So 
I guess uh, swallowing your pride too would be <laughs> another one <laughs> and being open to new challenges and then maybe safety is a good one I've had a lot of questions on that and I think there's a misconception that trails are super unsafe and in my experience and most of my trail running counterparts experiences that is not the case but I think they get a bad rep um, so I'd say educate yourself on like animals in your area that might be an issue for here it's mountain lions and moose I'm actually more scared of moose than almost anything have you had and a then, have you had a moose encounter yeah I actually have and it was in college and it, it was with a baby so that's why I was so scared because it was a mama moose and a baby moose and it charged us and it, it was frightening. It was so scary. Um, okay, so, so knowing when, like how to handle that. Yeah. So when the moose charges, what do I do? For moose, you want to stand as still as possible, Whoa. and just make sure they know you're not gonna be a threat. But then it's the opposite with like a mountain lion or a bear. You want to make movement and make yourself look big. So it is kind of weird. You need to know like the different animals how they respond. Yeah, we do not want to cross those responses and no. stay still for the bear and move for the moose. That's no, yeah, <laughs> good advice. Go. Remember. Yeah. Now you just mentioned that focus on effort rather than pace. I work with my athletes, both road and and track training, on that skill as well. Has that carried over to your training in general? It has, and I think in a way it was like coming back to like roots too. At University of Utah, my coach had us do threshold, and it was very effort based. Like he never gave us a threshold pace. And the idea is, it was true threshold. Like it should be whatever your threshold is on that day. So maybe you're having a worse day, or it's windy or cold, and something affects it. And whatever that pace is, it doesn't matter. It's the effort. On NAZ Elite, that was never something. We really trained with so then coming back to the trails and with Cameron he does a lot of threshold work by effort as well so that's been a nice medley to have both and I think I work better with effort-based stuff now so it's nice to come back to and it takes a lot of pressure off of you I think so it's nice as an athlete to not get hung up on numbers so much wise advice I think knowing that every day is different and the way you feel and as you said, it could be the weather, it might be sleep, it might be how you ate. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of factors that play into that. And that totally. those are, they can be hard to remember when you're trying to hit a pace and it just might yeah. feel too hard. Uh, right. Grayson, you've picked up a couple fans here. This, uh, we, we really enjoyed this. So thank you so much you. For, for joining us. And we're going to look forward to seeing what you do here in 2020 with all these different endeavors that you get into. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun talking to you guys. It was was our pleasure. All right, good luck, Grayson. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mile 46 of Seconds Flat, and thanks again to Grayson for spending time with us. Contact the show at secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll see you next time.